Hello, and welcome to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gerrand, and I'll be giving you my honest thoughts on the books I read. While the reviews will be short and to the point, they'll include everything you want to know without any spoilers to help you figure out what you should read next. So with that said, let's jump right in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. As I have said before several times now, 2023 is going to be a little bit differently, so every single month is going to have a theme, and the theme for January is travel. So the book that I reviewed last week was Death on the Nile by Agatha Christie, and the book that I'm reviewing today is still connected to the theme of travel, but it's a little bit different. So this is Stephen King's new novel, Fairy Tale, and while it does center around the topic of travel. It is not rooted in reality in the same way that Death on the Nile is, which you can probably guess from the title, fairy tale. It's a little obvious, but it is a true modern fairy tale, essentially. So the main character does go on a trip and does travel, but travels to essentially what is a whole other world. And like a true Stephen King novel, it is set in the Northeast, specifically in Illinois. And it does take place, I believe, if memory serves, in like the mid-2000s, like the mid to early 2000s. It seemed like kind of a random choice. I'm not sure if it's because there wasn't really anything major on like a global or political scale that was going on during the time period that he chose. Um, It does feel a little arbitrary, but just so you're aware. But just in case you have that thought, I also had that thought. But the novel is also written from the perspective of 17-year-old Charlie Reed. And the story is actually told from his perspective as an adult, and he's writing about these events that happened when he was 17. And I guess before we get too further into it, I know that you hear Stephen King and immediately your mind goes to things like The Shining and Cujo and Salem's Lot and Pet Cemetery, and I can keep going, which I promise is not a way to brag about how many Stephen King novels I've read. But if we're playing a word association game, once you hear Stephen King, the natural next word that comes to mind is horror. And this book is not a horror book. So just so you're aware. So if you were ready to click away from this episode because you are not into scary books, then you should stay tuned because it's not a typical Stephen King novel, which does seem to be the direction that he's been going in more recent years. He really seems to be branching out and just doing a lot of different contemporary fiction that isn't connected to horror, which personally I've been very into. I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with Stephen King, which we will probably get into it because it was still present in this book. But in general, I am a fan of Stephen King and his books and his stories. However, I have even really enjoyed the way that he's been branching out lately. I think it's really refreshing and I do think it's going to help in terms of his longevity. You don't really want him to get too played out, which might be crazy to say because he's kind of the godfather of that horror genre. He has written absolute classics, so it might be kind of blasphemy to even insinuate that he would be able to 
overplay his own market, but I do think that this will help in terms of the longevity and staying power of his writing career, especially because he's not just writing anything. He is writing still very unique stories. They are just different and he is still such a talented writer. So he's able to bring that talent just to a new genre, essentially. But with that said, let's just get into what exactly this book is about. So I told you it is about Charlie Reed, the 17-year-old who ends up befriending his very crotchety, grouchy elderly neighbor and his elderly dog, Radar. And the way that it happens is because this older man lives in this sort of, you know, maybe Victorian older, kind of creepy looking house up on top of the hill. And one day as he's passing by, he's hearing his dog barking in the backyard. He goes to check it out and it turns out that this elderly neighbor had fallen off of his ladder while cleaning the gutters and he ended up breaking his leg. So he's able to call the ambulance, etc. But as he's being taken away by the ambulance, it's very apparent that he's going to have to spend multiple days in the hospital. So very last minute, he's able to just ask Charlie to take care of his dog and get into the house and do whatever needs to be done to take care of Radar, which is really the catalyst that sort of kicks off the novel which already that setup has a very like classic 90s adventure movie kind of vibe, if you will. Like there is just something about this winning formula that has been around forever where it's like the young teenager or kid and then the old crotchety man and the dog and they're going to bond and become friends. It is a tried and true formula for a reason because I absolutely ate it up personally. And just to interject, the neighbor's name is Howard Bowditch. So as I said, Howard and Charlie become BFFs because Charlie just doesn't give up and doesn't let him push him away. And he is very elderly and he really does need that help in terms of now his mobility and getting around and the house is kind of in disrepair. And like I said, it's an older dog. So Charlie just really sticks it through and wants to help him and fix up the house. And it is, uh, it's just so touching. (laughs) So at this point, if you have not read this book yourself, all you know is what I've told you. So Charlie is going to end up going on this journey and discovering this other world. And it's a modern day fairy tale. And he also becomes friends with Howard and it's like really touching and there's a dog. So I am going to stop right here and say that if this already sounds really interesting to you and not only that, but you're also into, I don't know, maybe the kind of sci-fi genre, I do think this would be a really interesting book to go in completely blind. Like if I don't tell you anything else and you just pick it up and you read it without reading the back of the book, just go in completely blind. I think this would be a really unique experience, potentially really cool. It does have the potential to fail and that might be a really bad suggestion, but the thought really occurred to me as I was reading it and I think it could be really cool. So if you decide to click away from this episode because you want to try that and you want to go for it, no hard feelings. You can always revisit this episode later. 
But if that is not you and you just don't care or you're not going to read this book or you're just super, super curious and you just can't wait, then keep listening to the rest of this episode. So as I said, the two of them strike up this friendship. I won't get into any of the specifics because I do want to leave that a little bit as much of a surprise as possible. But again, it is a very, very touching part of the story and probably occupies like a third to maybe even half of the book. And the second half of the book is where things really change. And it goes from feeling like this 90s classic kind of, I don't know, classic movie or maybe even an adventure movie or whatever to fairy tale slash sci-fi territory. And I say sci-fi slash fairy tale because this book was really interesting in the sense that it made me think about the question of where is the line between science fiction and fairy tale? And I think a lot of people might naturally have an answer to that or say, oh, it's obvious, right? And you think of science fiction, you might think of the future or technology and fairy tale, you might think about something in the past that's, I don't know, dare I say a little bit more rooted in reality or just the lack of technology associated with it. At least that's where my mind goes in terms of answering that question. But I'm not going to lie. There is just something about this book and this story that feels like it's right on the line of those two genres. And I don't know if it will happen, so I don't know if I'm going to keep this in the episode, but that is a topic that I would love to discuss with a guest. And I'm thinking my brother, who I host the Box Office Books podcast with, because he is super, super opinionated and I know he's going to have some thoughts on this. So I'm hoping to start doing some guest episodes in the new year. This is the first time I'm mentioning that. But that is a topic that I am planning to hopefully talk with him about. So in that episode, whenever that happens, we can kind of expound on that a little bit more. But for the time being, just between us, I will say that there is just something about this story where I almost don't know what to categorize it as. Like, obviously, it's fiction, right? But between science fiction and fairy tale, which I don't know, I guess that's kind of where the fantasy genre falls. But if you have thoughts on this, feel free to comment on this post on Instagram. I would genuinely love to know what your thoughts are. But anyway, we've kind of gone off on a little bit of a tangent, so let's kind of bring it back to the story. So as I said, about halfway through the novel, things really change and we kind of go into that fantasy direction. And through certain circumstances, Charlie ends up discovering this other world. And it is very shocking, very fantastical, very unique, and very interesting. This book is definitely for people who don't shy away from the sci-fi genre, I guess, or fantasy, if you will. I think fairy tale is a little bit too of a flowery word or maybe brings up different associations in your mind. Even though Stephen King brings in classic fairy tale elements that he clearly was influenced by or at least wanted to mention in the novel. So he does bring up these elements of a classic fairy tale, like the big bad wolves. And I don't know, a lot of these cliches are things that are in like Brothers Grimm's stories. But the story that he crafts ends up falling more in that fantasy, borderline sci-fi genre. 
And I don't know why I keep harping on the sci-fi element. If any of you guys have read this and you guys had the same thoughts, also let me know so I know that I'm not crazy. But point is, that's where the story takes a turn and he really continues on this very epic journey. And the journey does revolve around the dog. So if you are somebody who grew up having a dog, or maybe you just always dreamt of having a dog, this story is really going to hit home for you. And now that I talk about it on this episode, it is a really interesting choice to have the type of book that it is at the beginning of the book, and then when it verges into this fantasy story, because they are two halves to a whole and they do feel connected, but at the same time, they do feel very different. And maybe that's just because the world that he goes into is so different, but there is something about basically both halves of the book that feel connected, but also a little bit separate. And I don't think that the second half would be as successful on its own. I do think the second half or the fantasy side of the book is as successful as it is just because you build so much emotion and just investment in the story in the first half. So I guess the conclusion I draw from that is that I don't know if Stephen King would be a super successful, just pure fantasy writer because again, the first half of the book is just purely rooted in reality. There is no fantasy or sci-fi or whatever element. There is a clear moment when that comes into play. So that part of the story or the book is kind of weak on its own maybe. I don't know if weak is the right word, but maybe just a little bit too out there, too outlandish. And I think that ultimately it all works. Don't get me wrong. Ultimately it is a whole and it is a story, but I do think that a lot of the weight is carried by the first half of the book, just in terms of readers having an attachment to the story or being invested in the story to see through to its conclusion, which maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if you're a really big fantasy or sci-fi or fairy tale reader and you also read this and you completely disagree with me, please let me know. I am so open to discussion. And like I always say on this podcast, ultimately opinions are completely subjective. So these are just my thoughts and opinions. But something that is consistent throughout the entire novel that is also just consistent with Stephen King himself is the book is incredibly descriptive, which personally I love. I love all of these descriptors and really being able to fully, fully visualize what he's telling me or describing to me, like being in Mr. Bowditch's house or just being in the fantasy world, because that is something that is a requirement for fantasy writers. So I will give him that. That is something that he does bring to the fantasy genre that is essential, I guess. And he does really think through his novels and that does come across, which again is something that is so, so crucial for the fantasy genre because you could end up like Miss Stephanie Meyer where there are just plot holes with all of the timelines, all of the lore. It was not thought out, which is a completely different discussion for a different day, but I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. 
That being said, I did find the visualization and descriptive factor to falter a little bit by the end of the book. Just a little bit. I had a little bit of a difficult time being able to picture what he is describing in terms of these sort of final climactic scenes with Charlie and the sort of mission that he's on. But that could be just me because I really tried to finish this book in just like a day or two and it's like 600 pages. So that could be totally on me. So yeah, if you don't know, I'll mention it now. This book is really long. Like I said, 600 pages. So um, definitely not for the faint at heart, I guess. But you do not have to be some sort of speed reader to read long books. I believe it was Stephen King himself who said it is better to read books in little sips than long drafts. And I concur. So if this sounds interesting to you, but 600 pages sounds daunting, there is no shame in just reading a couple pages a day. It might take you a really long time to finish it, but who gives a shit? But before I get everybody hyped on attempting to read this book, I do want to kind of reiterate if it isn't apparent already that this book is definitely not for everyone just because of the genre that it is. So like I said, the first half is very rooted in reality, gives you those kind of like 90s vibes, very classic book or movie kind of vibes. Take a shot every time I say vibes. But the second half is very, very, very fantasy. And some of the choices are a little odd or a little out there as fantasy tends to be. So some people, maybe readers who don't really read a lot of fantasy or sci-fi or whatever might find it kind of odd. So maybe this book wouldn't be for you. But that is probably obvious and probably not telling you anything that you don't know. But something you can be sure of in this novel is that Stephen King also sticks with his skill at suspense. In the first half of the novel, a little bit less in the second, it is in the second, but definitely in the first half, he really, really, really builds the suspense. But instead of applying it to the horror genre where it ends up devolving into something, you know, scary or violent or whatever, it ends up taking you on this really unique and fantastical journey. But I did say that I have a bone to pick with Mr. Stephen King, and that is true. I don't know what it is about this man because, again, I I really enjoy his stories. I There's a lot of his books that are some of my favorites. But I just have to ask why he seems incapable of writing a book without once mentioning the word breasts. It seems like in every single story that is his one hang up in terms of mentioning women's physical appearances. And sometimes I do understand because he is such a visually descriptive writer and sometimes he is using it in anatomical terms. And sometimes he also applies it to male characters. So for example, in The Shining, there's a scene where he describes Danny, the little boy, where you know his hands ball up into fists that hang at his side by the crotch of his jeans. All that is, is being, again, visually descriptive and using it in an anatomical sense, which I, I don't know, maybe he sometimes does that with the women, but a lot of times there is a 
sexualization associated with it. And even if there wasn't any sexualization associated with the word breasts when he's using it, it is still really odd the frequency with which he uses it. Because again, I've read a lot of Stephen King novels, so I don't see him using the word crotch that many times as well. Which is so unfortunate because the thing is, it's not as if he's this writer from another time or you're bringing a work really far in the past up to present day and looking at it through that lens. Like the man is alive and well, like he's still writing books clearly. (laughs) And I just don't understand why this is a recurring theme in his books. So as a female reader, I would just love to ask what's up with that. But just so you guys know, I don't want to put you guys off of this book. It wasn't that obvious. I think it's only mentioned like two times throughout the book. So for Stephen King, that's pretty good. It's basically like he didn't mention it at all. Can you guys tell I'm really putting the brutally honest, <laughs> brutally honest books? But you know what? I stand by it. And I also stand by my rating, which might come as a little bit of a surprise after that little tirade that I just had. But I would rate this book probably four or five four and a half out of five stars, which is a super high rating again, especially after everything that I just said, but I can still acknowledge the skill and the storytelling and everything that I just mentioned is more with King as a whole and less so with this book specifically, which is what I'm reviewing. But again, I do want to clarify that this is not a book for everybody. So it's not a four and a half for everyone. Cause again, this is not everyone's cup of tea, but if I am rating it on its own and against the genre that it occupies as a whole or against some of his other works, I can really appreciate the story that he's telling and how kind of innovative it is because it kind of pulls from tradition with some traditional fairy tales, but at the same time, kind of pushing the envelope and bringing in some modern ideas as well. So for that, it kind of brings it to four stars. Like I said, Stephen King is really branching out into new genres, it seems, and really exploring the fiction genre. So with this one, he's kind of dabbling into that fantasy realm, but he still keeps it a little bit classic. King in the first half of the book really builds his typical suspense. It's his typical Northeast, you know, feels like the 90s kind of vibe. And then you end up going on this really interesting journey to this other world alongside Charlie Reed as he is on a mission on the dog's behalf. And as I said, if you are into the fantasy genre, because we're focused more on the second half of the book in terms of setting the tone or the overall vibe, then I think you will enjoy this book. If we are rating it within that genre, I'm giving it four stars. But if this does not sound like your cup of tea, then be sure to check back next week. Because like I said, every book this month is going to fall into the travel theme, but I am doing my best to really mix up what I mean by that. So like I said, last week was Death on the Nile. This week is fairy tale. So I'm doing my best to really push the boundaries on what travel means. So be sure to tune in next week to see what book I am reviewing next. And in the meantime, you can rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts because that is actually the 
biggest way to support me and the podcast. And in the meantime, if you want more content, you can find that on Instagram and TikTok at Brutally Honest Books. And if you are interested in joining the digital book club, the Brutally Honest Book Club, there is more information on that under a highlight on Instagram. But always feel free to just send me a DM telling me you want to join or asking any questions that you might have. So with that said, I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. If you like this show, you can rate and review on iTunes and be sure to follow along on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books.